Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps young women and girls to turn their struggles into strengths after surviving trauma and eating disorders. Today, I am here with a bright light of a woman. Her name is Mary Tunis. She is a survivor of eating disorders. She is a survivor of trauma, but she is oh so much more. She owns Mary Tunis Nutrition. She is a competitive CrossFit athlete. She is going out every single day despite her own struggles to help other people find sustainable and flexible relationships with food and exercise. We are so pleased to have her. And she just joined our Empowered Committee for Change, where we're going to be teaming up with professionals across the U.S. to help bring systemic change in the way that trauma is treated. So thank you, Mary, for being here. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Why don't you start by just introducing yourself, where you're from, what you do, all that. Hi, yeah. So I am Mary and I am from Maryland. Um, originally from a small little town in Western Maryland, but I'm a little bit closer to Baltimore now. Um, I am a recovered eating disorder survivor, um, survivor from trauma, like you said, a CrossFit athlete. I'm a CrossFit level one trainer nutrition coach. I have my bachelor's in nutrition and I'm a friend, I'm a daughter, and I'm most re recently a fiance now. So congratulations. Thanks. And I know, um, we've, we haven't known each other too long, but in the short time that I have known you, I've gotten to learn a lot about you. And one of the things that I have learned is that you've overcome so much to get to where you are today. Um, we focus on the intersection of trauma and health and you reached out to me about our work and said, Oh my gosh, I want to get involved. I don't know, know how, but I want to. And, and we talked and the more I learned about you, the more I realized how special you were. So I would love for you to start by sharing your story. This is your floor uh, and the space is open. Awesome. Yeah. So it all started, um, I was a competitive gymnast. I was in mommy and me gymnastics classes at three years old. Um, I'm one of five. I grew up in a Catholic church um, and I was in competitive gymnastics, competing, training um, in the sport for 30 hours a week, starting at five years old. Um, so I was growing up, um, I was grow I was involved in the fitness community at a very, very young age. Um, unfortunately, when I was a gymnast, um, I did develop an eating disorder. Um, today I can say it stemmed more from an eating disorder. It's, uh, it stemmed from some sexual trauma. Um, and so, yeah, so through gymnastics, um, I kind of used that as a scapegoat of, I had to be thin. You know, my coaches, they were great role models and mentors, but I had to look this certain way or I wasn't good enough. So put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, 
I am a Christian today, the Catholic church. It was, you know, you were good if you did good works. If you did wrong, um, I was afraid I was going to go to hell. And so that also um, developed that perfectionist um, personality of mine. So from the ages of 12 to about 17, I was in and out of treatment. Um, it started with when I was 12 years old, I had a severe anxiety attack in the bathroom and don't know when it hit. Don't know. I, it just, it just hit me. I don't know. I didn't know what was happening. Um, my parents picked me up. They took me to the ER. I was hyperventilating, um, just not in a good place. And that was the start of my anxiety. Um, today and after digging deep a week before that, I was sexually assaulted on the way home from school. So sorry. And after I did the timeline, it makes perfect sense. Um, so that was kind of the start of everything. Um, had extreme anxiety. I tried to make the outside look perfect with perfect grades. Um, I wanted to be the best in gymnastics. I started to control every little thing that I could. Um, not knowing that it was because of that trauma. Um, I blamed it on everything, everything else. Um, I turned into this very angry, um, manipulative, uh, broken, broken female, um, compared myself to everybody at school everybody at gymnastics. Um, and basically my goal was to starve myself until I died. Mm -hmm. So I was so disgusted with myself. I didn't want to tell anybody. So I controlled what I could and, you know, performed in gymnastics and focused on my food intake. And my goal was to starve myself to death, um, but I didn't want anybody to know. So of course that's when, you know, just the, the sickness, it took over me. Um, I was in and out of treatment facilities from the age of 12 to the age of 17. Um, every time I went into treatment, um, I would go through it, go through it, and then relapse. Um, again, I would go through it, go through it, and relapse. I was the girl that it was, I just need to be skinny for gymnastics. I just need to, you know, focus on my food intake so I can be a better, a better gymnast, when really I had a whole different idea in mind. Um, so I was lying to the world. Um, I got to a pretty, pretty low when I was 14 years old. Um, many different, you know, suicide attempts in that year. Um, I was put, um, put on a feeding tube because I still wanted to compete in gymnastics. And looking back now, I was no, I should have not been in the gym. 
Um, so basically it was the cycle. It was a cycle of losing weight, going back in treatment, losing weight, going back in treatment. I did, I missed most of my high school career. Um, when I wasn't, you know, when I wasn't in the hospital, I was acting on eating disorder symptoms. Um, I was in fake, I don't want to say fake recovery. I was in denial. I was not ready to, to get better. Um, me and my parents, we developed a very, very unhealthy relationship. Um, I wanted nothing to do with them. After I, um, kind of hid the eating disorder long enough, um, because I did put on the weight and Mary's fine and, you know, she doesn't look sick. So, you know, she's better. And, and then I could be like, yeah, I was recovered. I was this broken person that was lying to the world. Um, and I got involved with the wrong crowd. Um, I was 16 years old and I was with a very, very abusive boyfriend. Um, he was older than me. He would drink and he would, you know, just toss me around like a Barbie doll. Um, and that's how I felt. That's how I felt loved. Right. Um, one day he, um, I don't want to say mainly because I know that I have control over my actions now, but I was manipulated into, um, drinking, drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, that night I don't remember anything that happened. Um, I, the next day he called me and just, he was very hurtful and he told me to go kill myself. So <gasps> I got in the car and I ran my car into a tree and was flipped upside down. I was uh, flown to shock trauma. I lied to my mom and dad. I told them that I was going to um, pick up something from a friend's house and it was raining and my car slid. And really, eh, I tried to commit suicide. That completely took me into a pretty bad spiral, pretty bad relapse. Um, I went back to a residential treatment, uh, a residential treatment facility that I'd been at before um, in Arizona. And there I developed self-harm. Um, more, you know, suicidal thoughts. And I kind of, it, my eating disorder transformed into more than just an eating disorder um, that surrounded was food. It was, um, I started to get involved with drugs. I started to get involved with um, men. I started to get involved with um, just the, a bad, bad crew. Um, completely lost all 
um, connection with my parents. Um, I was about 18 at the time. I decided that I was going to go away to Frostburg, um, start a new life. I was going to leave the eating disorder behind. I was going to leave all the high school and uh, high school uh, boys. I was going to leave them all behind and I was starting this new life. And so my mom said I, I could go away if I stayed out of treatment for a year. Easy. I can stay out of treatment for a year. Um, you know, there's always next year where, you know, I can quote unquote get back on track. Well, I went away and I got involved in competitive cheerleading after gymnastics. I got involved in a sorority and my first semester, I cannot tell you, I don't remember my first semester. Got perfect grades, um, but party. I was there to party. Um, and got into some pretty scary situations. I was drugged at a bar. Mm. Um, and there were many, many nights that I did not make it home. Um, and I could not tell you what happened. And I'm very ashamed of that. Um, but yeah, that semester was very dark. So the next semester I went, I was going to start again. And what did I do? I went back to that. I get have to get perfect grades. I have to be five minutes early to class. Um, I have to go to gym, uh, the gym every day before class. And then I have to go to weightlifting for cheerleading. And then I have to go to cheerleading practice. I did everything um, in my power during the day. So I didn't have energy to go out at night and party anymore. So I completely flipped it again back to the food and the exercise. I remember going to Planet Fitness about 20 minutes from my school. And I would be there for hours upon hours upon hours. This is when I should be sleeping, when I should have been recovering my body. I would go back to my apartment and maybe grab a cup of coffee and then go to my cheerleading lift and then go to school. And I was just I don't know how I'm alive. Like, to be honest, I was go, 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 go. Um, and of course, eight months went by and um, I tried to go back to school. Um, I probably did that for spring semester all the way until that next winter semester. And I was getting ready to go back to school and something hit me and it was like, if I go back there, I will die. Mm. I was severely underweight. Um, I was, I, that's an, another time in my life I should, should have died, you know? Um, so finally broke down to my parents and that year, so 2017, I finally took recovery seriously. Um, I remember um, being in the gym one day and Planet Fitness one day and, and someone looked at me and said, man, girl, I see you in here every single day. And, and he said, you know, if your faith was as strong as your work ethic in this gym, you'd be unstoppable. 
And that kind of just hit me in a, in a, in a way where I was like, Hmm, you know what I mean? I put in all this effort at the gym. What if I put that into healing? Mm. What if I put that into making myself someone bigger than my eating disorder? Mm. So I kind of thought about it for a couple of days and I was on my elliptical one evening, um, which I will never get on another elliptical to this day. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Heck no, never to this day. And I don't even know what I was doing. It was all to cope with the anxiety, right? Like I remember putting on, I was still going to a Globo gym at the time. And I remember putting on, um, one of the CrossFit movies and I was like, I'm going to be that girl. I was like, these people, they exercise, but they don't do it to get smaller. They're doing it to get strong. Mm. And it's so funny because that day I drove past the CrossFit gym and I stopped. I had, I was not going to stop. I went to stop and I walked in, got some information and was at the 7am class. Um, Unfortunately, early on, I got the CrossFit bug and I was a competitive gymnast and I was really good. I was very weak at the time because I was recovering. Um, I did develop a lot of um, bad habits. I early on overtrained, underfueled. Um, but then I got, I wanted to go to school. I was like, okay, I've been working with a registered dietitian for six years now. I'm like, I want to educate myself. So um, that semester I took off school. I maybe took like one English class. Um, and I was going back and forth with going to school with nutrition. So I just started to be, I just started educating myself and um, as I increased, um, my food quantity and quality, I noticed that I was putting on muscle. Um, at first I was not okay with that. I did not like the scale going up and that scale quickly, quickly, quickly left my house. Um, yes. cause I loved the way my body felt, but I didn't like that number, but I was not going to let that number take away my fitness. So that's kind of how I got rid of the scale ever since I've kind of just boop, tossed that away. Um, but I, I began to educate myself and I, um, I found out that fueling my body helped with my exercise. So I wanted to exercise to compete because that's what I wanted to do to kind of reclaim that I am a strong woman. Um, I don't have to be thin. Um, to be quote unquote thick, like I, or fit, sorry, I wanted to reclaim and I wanted to use my story to motivate others. So my goal was to get as strong as I could. Um, and I just threw that scale away. So unfortunately, I fell into the trap of overtraining and um, began to lose weight again. And that put me in a setback. And this was around COVID. I was thriving, um, you know, from 2017 to the end of 2019, I was, I was thriving. I competed at the CrossFit regionals on a team. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't a hermit in my bedroom. 
I wasn't counting calories or macros. I was doing really, really well. I was going to therapy every week, twice a week. I was finally in a stage where I could say I was healing. Um, I was doing the work and CrossFit. I use that as, as therapy as well, because I'm working out with this community of people that just are there to move their body. Um, and not worry about the number on the scale from the most part. Um, 2020 came around and as you know, COVID happened um, with people with anxiety. It definitely triggered me. Um, I was in the house and I needed something to focus on. I was finishing up my degree in nutrition, um, looking for jobs, couldn't find anything, kept getting rejected. Um, either I didn't meet the qualifications or they weren't hiring because of COVID and it's personal training at the time. So I didn't have a job. Um, I'm like, crap, you know, I'm getting ready to finish school. What am I going to do? Um, and so how I kind of dealt with that was training and I overtrained during COVID. Um, I was alone, living alone for three months. Um, luckily I had dogs, so that helped me for sure. Um, and so 2021 was kind of a rebuild year. And I was like, I'm going to launch Mary Tunis Nutrition. This is going to help me um, with accountability. Because if I'm preaching sustainable and balanced nutrition, I have to practice that too. Um, so 2021, I dug deep into the ugly stuff because after 2020, I was like, I'm done wasting my life away. Like I literally have been living in hell since I was 12 years old and I am 24, 23 at the time I'm done. So I kind of dug deep into building my business, um, which helped me. Um, and I took the focus off on competing and I put the focus on, uh, pouring into other people, right. Using my story while I kind of got out of, um, the bad place I was in, in 2020. So in 2021, I opened up to my therapist that I think I know why all of this, why I've gone through this, this past, these past you know, eight plus years. And I told her that, you know, I was sexually abused on the way home from school. So yeah, I opened up to my therapist about um, my trauma. And we just dug deep, we dug deep into some family history. And um, it all just makes sense now. Um, and I have growing up, I was so selfish. And these past two years, um, I showed myself that I could live completely by myself without um, acting on any eating disorders, uh, acting on any like eating disorder thoughts or triggers. Um, and if I did, I did it in a positive way. So I proved to myself that I could live on my own. Um, I proved to myself that I could go on dates. I was afraid to look men in the face. I was the girl 
where I was sitting at dinner on a Friday night with my parents all the way up until I was 24 years old because I was not going to let another man hurt me. Mm. After I really dug deep, dug deep and started telling my story. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I'm such a fan of you, Leah and empowered RX, because it does give us safe, um, space to tell our story. And I would not want any single girl or boy to go through what I went through, you know? So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I really worked on just loving myself. And I finally, um, after (laughs) dating two other people, I was not into dating. I dated three people and the last one's my fiance. So I was not going to let a man into my life if I did not 100% trust him. Um, and taking care of another human being that um, is so good to me and does support my recovery and does support my mental health and does support my happiness is just such a relief. Um, so that's made me, you know, even more eager to um, just pour into the next generation. Um, and yeah, so like, I think that my mess is my message. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can just help one person every single day, whether that's through social media, which, you know, I'm kind of like you, I'm trying to set boundaries around, um, or at the gym when I'm interacting with someone or at, a, um, I go to in, uh, big businesses and train their employees. So, I just, no matter if I'm hurting or if I'm in a great mood, because although I'm healed, I still have really, really bad days. <laughs> I'm a human know. being. Um, but if I can help one person in this world to not give up and to continue to push, even when it hurts so bad, like I get it. It Recovery is the hardest thing that I will ever go through. And it's constant. Some days I wake up and I'm afraid of relapse because mm-hmm. if I, if I, you know, let something go, if someone like, I'm still building that tough skin, you know, I'm pretty tough, but it, there's always that fear that relapse could happen. So although we are warriors and we are survivors and we call ourselves heels, like healed, we still are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, and we still are human. So we understand what it's like to go through trauma and what it's like to have hard days and what it's like to battle that little voice inside of your head every single day. So no one give up. I promise if you're still alive today, there's a reason why you're here. So Mary, you've given me chills like a hundred times. Thank you so much for your openness and your vulnerability. You and I have very, very similar um, experiences that like from the car crash to the drugs, to the men, to the childhood sexual abuse, like all of it kind of resonates with my story. So you really got me kind of choked up there in hearing your experience, but you obviously are a badass and- (laughs) you have overcome so much 
Um, you talked a lot about your journey and how it kind of ebbed and flowed. The idea that healing isn't linear is very apparent. And we always tell our clients that too, is that don't expect healing to be linear, but this is a journey and there's going to be tough days and there's going to be good days, but keep the faith and keep the hope. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the tools that you use on the hard days. Um, so one thing that I notice is I have to keep my anxiety down. Yep. Um, I am such in that go, go, go whether, and I know that if I overload my schedule, I'm going to have a lot of anxiety. Um, and some days you do have those busy days that cause anxiety. And, and those are when I have those hard days. And, and what I try to do is I definitely get seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, I try to stay off social media on those hard days. Um, I try to listen to my body and do movement that feels good. That's going to energize me because every day you need a different kind of workout because you're not the same every day. Mm, I love um, that. So I literally just practice grace with myself. I am a human being. What would you tell? Um, I, I imagine looking at myself and I'm like, what would you tell that girl? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I've been practicing deep breathing and I'm trying to get into mindfulness, which Ever since I was little, I was the most ADHD, go, 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 go girl. But like, I do less than a day, um, definitely on my hard days, but they're still productive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find that I need productivity um, to feel grounded and the structure helps me helps me feel steady and, and I guess in control, but in a moderate and balanced way. Um, one of the things I love about mindfulness is we can do mindfulness through movement. Weightlifting is extremely cathartic for that. We always teach how to ground in weightlifting and how to breathe properly in weightlifting. Um, and so I know you're really into that. So I would be interested to talk further about weightlifting and what that's done for your mind and your body. Yeah. Um, I love weightlifting because if you in order to not hurt yourself, you have to think about every single thing that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm getting ready to set up for a snatch. I'm gonna go to the bar. I'm gonna get a snatch grip. I'm gonna pull back. You know, I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm gonna keep the bar in close to me. Every single little detail counts. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not thinking, oh, how many calories am I burning here? Oh, you know, this and that it's, you literally are thinking about what you are doing. And so that creates that mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really do love how you use that in your treatment method of weightlifting because it is, it's such a great grounding technique. Um, and it makes you feel like a badass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is really interesting is it's, it's been researched that, um, children that have experienced sexual assault or trauma, um, have a very hard time sitting still often get diagnosed ADD or ADHD. Um, and it's actually residual PTSD that just kind of slips by and our window of tolerance tends to be much smaller. So we get stressed out easily. We get down easily. Uh, we can't really buffer the stress as effectively as people who haven't gone through the trauma. 
And weightlifting is something that helps us get embodied without having to sit still with our thoughts, like you were saying. But it also has a response on the nervous system, a parasympathetic response, so it brings us down a little bit. And people are like, what do you mean? Working out brings you down and calms you down? And it totally does. For my anxiety, I feel so amazing. I, I, movement is my medicine. I feel so amazing after a workout. If I don't have some sort of movement every day, I feel it. And not in my body, but in my mind. Yes, 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 yes. Me and you both. Um, and in some days, movement means, um, you know, going for a one rep max front squat. But also some someday movement means walking around your park. Yeah. Um, I used to think that the, if I didn't PR every day, if I didn't hit a Metcon every day, um, seven days a week, I, I burnt myself out. And I'm now recovering from hormonal issues and this and that. But like now I'm to a place where like on Thursdays, my fiance is going to teach me how to swim. Is it going to be as hard as workouts as what I did on Wednesday? No, but I'm going to let my body recover and I'm going to do mindful movement. But I'm the same way as you. If I do not move my body every single day, my head space is not there and I will not get anything done. Yeah, that's the same as me. And I, I think it's really important that we, we call it mindful movement and not mindful fitness like you're doing because the diet culture world makes us feel like we have to be high intensity or like that we have to go no pain, no gain sort of mentality. Um, and I had this thing where I would hit five to seven days a week of training, which was totally overtraining. And I know now in, in my recovery to sustain it, I can't force myself to work out on days where my body doesn't feel good um, because that totally starts to override my mind body connection. And that could lead to relapse if I do that enough times. So I have like a, an intuitive movement kind of, I don't want to say rule, but um, respect for my body where I wake up, I do an evaluation. If it doesn't feel like a high intensity workout is right for me, then I don't go to CrossFit class and I'll go do something different. Um, sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes it's just meditation and really focusing on small uh, muscle movement. But as you said, it's just important for us to connect with our body and have that time to be in our body because as trauma survivors, it can be extremely um, hard to sit still in our body when our body wasn't a safe place to be so many times, which brings me to the open, which is just a day away. Um, we're probably going to publish this. Well, we said it was a day away, so we'll publish this <laughs> tomorrow so that okay. people can listen to it for the start of the open because I think this will be yeah. important. Um, let's talk about some of the movements that are triggering in the open for trauma survivors and why. And yeah. yeah, I would say number one, um, what I'd experienced in, um, was double unders. So mm -hmm. I went to regionals in 2018 on a team and I could not do double unders and I would do like sets of five. And all these amazing athletes and everything were watching you. And I was there doing fives, um, which triggered me. You know, I was, I was pretty triggered and I had to work through that. I know I have a lot of mamas who can't do double unders because they've had babies mm -hmm. and their pelvic floor is just not strong enough. Um, so yeah, I think that's one big trigger. One thing that does help me is, Breathe, guys. 
just oh breathe. Oh my goodness. You know, yeah. if you cannot, if you cannot do a movement, if you freak out, your body's going to go into fight or flight mode, and then you're not going to be able to think at all, and you're not going to be able to move at all. So just take a step back, get out of your head, and breathe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I find double unders are one of my things too. If I miss one and it lashes me on my back or neck or butt specifically, I could have a flashback very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very mindful about not pushing my sets of double unders past like 20 reps at a time because I'm more likely to trip up. So I do 20, take a break, 20, take a break, even if I have the cardio to keep going because I know technique wise, I'm going to less, lessen the chance of maybe triggering myself by accident. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, you have to be mindful when you're going in to a workout. I, what I like to do is um, when I am going into a workout that I do have a movement that will trigger me. Um, I do get a lot of anxiety all the way up until I do the workout. So my plan for this year is what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I wake up. Um, I'll look at the workout maybe once before um, the night before I might do the work. I might look at the workout once stay off social media and I am going to examine every single one of my movements and I am going to take note of if something does not go my way and I am faced with adversity how am I going to handle it in that situation mm-hmm. just so I have tools in my toolbox I love that um, and I think my biggest thing this year is I'm going to, if something causes anxiety, um, I'm going to just stop. I'm going to breathe. And then when I am refocused, I'm going to go back to the, the exercise. That could take 10 breaths. That could take two breaths, right? Um, but I'm going to give myself grace because... I think it's more important and actually kind of cooler to show yourself that you can work through triggers in a uh, safe way in a workout than the stupid leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And one thing that we love to do, so for any listeners who are like, oh my gosh, everything she's saying is resonating. Um, we call it a tiny dot called hope. And so if you hold out your hand and you look at the fleshy part between your thumb and your index finger, we like to have people put like a little Sharpie dot in between there. That's an acupressure point. And so they know that that dot represents calm. And if they need to stop and take a break, they can press it with their other hand and count to 10 and breathe. And it's just kind of a little ritual you can do that is grounding and centering and brings you back into your body. You get the feedback of pressing on the muscle without necessarily being super obvious in a room full of people who are cheering the athletes on. So that's like a little trick there we like to do. Tiny dot called hope. Yeah. I will spread that to the gym. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, A lot of people do have self-doubt going in into the open. Yeah. Um, And the other thing we're going to do, um, so we have a free group called Taking My Power Back. 
on Facebook and we've gathered 10 um, professionals, Mary's one of them, um, to basically help lead people who have been through trauma through the open and navigating all these things that come up. So every Thursday evening, I'm gonna be live in the Facebook group and we're gonna do a trauma-informed analysis of the workout. So you guys can tune in in the Facebook group um, whatever experts want to join me will join me and we'll chat about it and come up with different strategies so that you guys can have a game plan going into the next day. But over the next three weeks, you're going to see all of these professionals in this group give presentations based on their experiences and their stories. I know Mary's going to be focusing on nutrition um, and fueling and recovery. And so we're really, really excited to have Mary a part of this. And you'll probably see us tagging, taking my power back a lot in all of our posts. And we encourage you to do the same if you're a trauma survivor doing the open. Um, this is a great chance to step up to your power and say, hey, I can own this barbell. This barbell doesn't have to own me. And every time you drop the barbell, let that shit go. Let your past go. Yes. go. Every single time we tell people, you know, you get fed up that you can't put the bar over your head another time and you need to drop the bar. Let that shit go when it drops um, and it's super, super cathartic. So Mary, I thank, love it. thank you so much for being here and for your story and your vulnerability. Um, I know you'll come back on our podcast probably frequently, so that's going to be exciting. And um, we look forward to partnering up with you more. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at Empowered Rx, or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the Empowered Rx community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.